0: Making the world healthier, safer, and more efficient. That's the mission for IT professionals at Lidos. And right now, they're looking for the next generation of innovators to help transform the business and change the future of work. Excellent pay and sign-on bonuses available. Security clearance required. Put your software skills to work with Lidos. Learn more at Lidos.com slash phx2. That's L-E-I-D-O-S dot com slash phx2.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck.
0: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo. It's not even so much me as it's Ronick. He's good. And six seventy, the scores hockey guy Jay Zawoski. You don't
1: play this game with a big heart and a big bag
0: of knuckles in front of the net. You don't got dinky do. Welcome into the latest installment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC Five Chicago. With me, as always, the one, the only, the ever present hockey genius on your radio and in your earpieces for this podcast's purpose, Jay Zawoski. Jay, that might be the weirdest intro I've ever done for you, but you know what, man? It's the off season for us. Let's just get creative and make (laughs) some stuff up.
1: You continue to oversell me every episode, and then as the episode goes on, you're like, wait a minute, this guy doesn't know anything. This guy's a dope. This guy sucks. Why am I listening to this? This is a waste of my time. Click. <laughs> no, it's good to be back. We got again. I, you know, I was thinking early this week, like, man, I maybe I overshot my wad thinking we do it every week. And of course, the Hawks give us some news to talk about. So before we get to our conference final previews, let's talk about the Blackhawks news of the week, and that is the new contract for Richard Panic, uh, two years, two point eight million dollar cap hit per. Uh, I initially tweeted that I think it's a fair deal. I just don't know if it's great for the Hawks because they've got a lot of holes to fill and not any money to do it. And with him in the fold, without some other sort of major transaction happening, I don't know how they're going to ice a team that can maybe a competitor... Maybe a team that can, you know, make the playoffs, but a Stanley Cup champion, I'm not sure.
0: No, you're just kind of waiting for another shoe to drop, and I think the widely assumed thing is that that shoe has to be a major trade, and I think at this point, we, you kind of had to guess that it's not going to be a contract like Corey Crawford. You would think that the Hawks wouldn't end up dumping him after they already traded away Scott Darling. You would have felt that if they were going to get rid of Crawford to uh, free up some salary cap space, they would have kept Darling in the fold, but... I just the way I have to look at this is they they can't be looking at, you know, Vegas rescuing them from, you know, potential salary cap hell this summer. I gotta think that either they know the cap's gonna go up more than we think it's gonna go up, or they're thinking that they're gonna make some kind of big trade. And I think the one guy that always comes to my mind when I think potential big trade for this Blackhawks team has to be Brent Seabrook. And that, you know, that thought has not diminished at all since the offseason began and it certainly hasn't diminished after they signed Richard Panic to a deal for 2.8 million dollars a season
1: well here's the question then if it is going to be Brent Seabrook um you're looking at a team just sort of saving you from that contract right you're looking at maybe some prospects but more likely some picks something that's not going to cost the Blackhawks anything so they can go ahead and sign a couple free agents with that Seabrook money um that is certainly a possibility the way Stan Bowman was talking to me indicates there's going to be more changes than just that and when you look at the things that caused the Blackhawks to lose the series against Nashville and the things that Stan Bowman was pissed off about I don't think Brendan Sebra qualifies as one of those reasons in Bowman's mind at least yes we see him regressing there's no doubt about it yes the contract is too long and maybe a little bit too rich but definitely too long Um, but Brent Seabrook is a guy that not only on the ice gives you what he's got uh, as much as he can Um, off the ice he is their main vocal leader and I know um, since metrics have become a popular thing in hockey that that stuff has sort of gone out the window but I'm telling you it matters it definitely matters you look at the impact a guy like David Ross had on the Cubs last year and you go on and on and on with guys who were not great players but had a great influence on the locker room and Brent Seabrook is one of those guys for sure so with that in mind, I'd be a little bit stunned if it was Brent Seabrook. It makes sense money-wise, of course, but I just don't see the Hawks, after what they went through against Nashville, saying to one of the guys that actually does try and actually does care, you're the guy who's the odd man out here. I just I just can't see that happening.
0: Well, okay then, but in that case, who the heck is it going to be then? If it's not going to be Brent Seabrook, it has to be somebody who makes comparable money I, oh, and – They can afford... Not necessarily afford to lose, but they can lose and it not completely devastate them. I feel like if they get rid of a guy like Nick Jalmerson, it completely devastates them. And I really think they go from being a potential championship contender if they make the right moves to fringe playoff team if they lose Nick Jalmerson, because then your defense isn't even close to being good enough. And you don't have the cap space to get it back up to that level, so it's not going to be brent seabrook who do you think it's going to be
1: well i think i I don't know who i think it's going to be (laughs) i think that it could be or maybe should be artemi panarin now i've been maybe bagging on this guy all year i've took i took some criticism criticism for it um early on in the podcast the season when i first sort of mentioned that i think he's kind of a one-dimensional scorer and can't do much else well that again two years in a row showed itself in the playoffs he was an absolute non-factor You just paid him uh, a new deal that kicks in $6 million for next year. Look, he makes Patrick Kane a better player. There's no doubt about it. But when you look at the the forwards on the horizon, you've got Nick Schmaltz. You've got Alex DeBrincat. You've got Alexander 14. You've got all these guys who are ready to step up to the NHL, maybe not right away, but soon. I think you can spare a forward if the return is someone that can help you now on the blue line, right? Right. And there's one name that, and again, this is extremely unlikely, but I'm just going to propose it here and sort of hopes that it happens. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues is a restricted free agent. Um, chances are that St. Louis is going to sign him, lock him up long term, and that's going to be the end of things. But if there's one team that I think you could dangle Panarin to because of his relationship with um, Vladimir Tarasenko, it might be the St. Louis Blues. And Colton Pareko is a sort of physical, puck-moving defenseman that the Blackhawks have always relied on when they won their Stanley Cups and what they desperately need at this point. As a restricted free agent, you could probably get them for two and a half, three and a half million dollars a year, saving yourself some money on the cap that way, and you make your defense that much better. Now, I looked at the roster after the panic thing happened yesterday. I spent some time on cap friendly, and I want to share this with you. It's not pretty, all right? So we're, the estimation is that the Hawks that the NHL will have a 75 million dollar cap, right? Going up about 2 million dollars. So here's the forwards that I I have worked on and the Hawks with this are still 13 I'm sorry, 1.3 million dollars over the cap. Okay? So I've got Panic Taves and Kane and Hosa Panarin, Anisimov, Kane, Schmaltz, DeBrincat, Hartman, Hayden, Caro and alex 14 and david kampf camp however you say his name as the as a two spare forwards now this is assuming that kruger and van reemstike are gone which i think a lot of us can assume with the Vegas thing and your d is keith seabrook forsling Jalmerson, kempney and Roseval. and then i signed brian campbell for 1 million dollars <laughs> okay just to play around the hawks are still 1.3 million dollars over the cap with that roster now Currently, they still have Marcus Kruger, who makes $3 million plus, and they still have Trevor Van Riemsdyk. So, I, dude, I don't know. I, I really don't know how without a major move it's going to work at all next year. And if they're going to trade a major player, they've got to get people that can help now because you've still got Hosa, you've still got an aging Keith, an aging Seabrook, and the window is still open a little bit. So they've got to get someone that's going to help them right away. And I think trading Brent Seabrook is not going to get you that sort of asset.
0: I think it at least gives you the flexibility to go out and get that kind of asset in terms of your salary cap situation, though. It takes you out of a situation where you can't make a deal that's money for money. like You can't like acquire a guy back who has a contract. I think that trading away Brent Seabrook at least gives you a little bit of flexibility to where you're not stuck making moves where your only assets you can bring back in are prospects. I feel like it kind of opens maybe a few more doors up for Stan Bowman if you have a guy like that off the books. And obviously that's a big ask. I mean, you look at the situation with Patrick Sharp or the situation with Brian Bickle and those guys had contracts that ended a lot sooner than Brent Seabrooks does. And they still had to put sweeteners into the deal to get rid of those guys. So
1: yeah, the sweetener was Tevo Teravina. Let's not pretend like it was an extra draft pick.
0: The, sw- the sweetener was Tevo Taravine, and The sweetener was Steven Johns. These guys, they had to give up pretty solid prospects to dump some of these guys. So you kind of look at Brent Seabrook, and yeah, it's a g- I think it's a good thing that can get them some flexibility. The problem you run into, though, is what kind of prospect are you going to have to give up in order to sweeten that deal enough to get somebody to take it?
1: Well, the only hope is that a team like Vegas can look at it and say, "Look, we're a new team. We need to have some sort of you know veteran leader on this squad, someone that's been there before um man i you know i'm just I'm hesitant to move him, and I know the contract's not ideal, and I know that he's regressing, but without him on the team, your d sucks, man. That's really bad like i don't like I really don't know." <laughs> what are they gonna do? So let's take a look at it without Seabrook. Let's we'll just assume somehow the Van Riemsdyk is still here, right? So you got Keith, Jalmerson, Forsling, uh, Van Riemsdyk, um, Kepney, and Roosevelt Like that's you can't. I mean, without Brent Seabrook, what does this team look like? And which team is going to give you a younger, more effective NHL defenseman in exchange for an aging Brent Seabrook? I just don't see it happening. So if you're going to make a trade, it's got to be something that can fetch you tangible, helpful, younger players right now. And the only name, realistically, looking at this roster, the only name that's going to do that is Artemi Panarin. Maybe Artem Anisimov?
0: Well, I was going to bring up Artem Anisimov. Yeah, I feel like he could, be, he could be the kind of guy that that could work with, too.
1: Yeah, and he has a no... I mean, everybody's got a no-movement clause, so that's just... You might as well just say it, but... Those things are always negotiable, right? I don't think that Artem and Isimov's going to be like, no, I'm staying here even though you don't want me. Which player really does that? Um, but again, trading him, what do you think? Would that be more of a cap relief sort of a thing, trade him for picks and use that money elsewhere? Or is it someone that can bring you something in return? I don't know. I really don't know if I was another GM what I'd be willing to give up for Isimov.
0: Well, I mean, you do you really think that St. Louis would be willing to... A, do you think St. Louis would be willing to trade Colton Pareko in division? And B, do you think the Blackhawks would be willing to trade Artemi Panarin to the St. Louis Blues and hand them another top-six scoring weapon who you could pair him up with Vladimir Tarasenko, and those guys could realistically run roughshod over the NHL like Kane and Panarin have the last two seasons?
1: Well, here's the deal. If you're trading Panarin as the Blackhawks, you are admitting that you don't think that he is someone that can help you in the playoffs, right? So if you're trading him, you're doing it presumably to get better. So if the Blackhawks think they can improve the team by trading Artemi Panarin, I don't think that being in the division should matter. If they think they're getting the better player that's going to make them the better team or is a better fit for what they need, screw it. If that's where you're going to get the best deal from, so be it if it's in division. Look, I, I it's been two short playoff things. He's played 11 playoff games in his Blackhawks career. I understand that. But the dude was an absolute non-factor. And if you're going to pay someone $6 million to play on your left wing for the foreseeable future, I've got to get more production than that. And if you're looking for a piece to move that's going to get you something of value in return, that is the one piece. And I'm not saying absolutely do it or find a way to trade him, absolutely. But if you're looking to upgrade with a trade, that is the one guy that can really make you better right away. And I think that the temptation of... For the Blues to add another forward that can help, they've got a pretty solid D. Their blue line is pretty good. Um, they lack, aside from Tarasenko, a lot of star power up front. And maybe they feel like Artemi Panarin is that missing piece they need. I think someone, someone like Colton Parayko, maybe exactly Colton Parayko is exactly what the Hawks need. So it's a, a trade of convenience, and maybe it makes both teams better. Who knows? But um, I know, as currently assembled, there's I don't think this Blackhawks team is ready for a Stanley Cup again.
0: I, I mean, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, and I feel like when the moves are made this off season, I feel like unless you're really really careful, you might start end up moving away from that direction. I think the question I have about the Artemi Panarin trade possibilities the same one that I have about the people who have said that maybe this contract for Richard Panic it, it doesn't necessarily preclude a team like Las Vegas from taking him my My question then is, why on earth did you sign Artemi Panera into an extension when you did? Why wouldn't it make him more potentially valuable if you traded him without a contract so that the team could negotiate it themselves i don't really I don't really get where the rush was with that, do you?
1: Well, I think the rush came when they saw him put together another regular season that was just fantastic, and that maybe they prematurely signed him. maybe they assumed that there would be some growth in the playoffs and looks maybe there will be maybe next year the Hawks make the playoffs and Artemi Panarin's a, uh, a machine and and I've had some Twitter discussions with people about maybe Nashville this being the absolute worst matchup imaginable for the Hawks and maybe if it had been St. Louis or someone else they would have had a better time and won the series but from what we saw look they've got to be able to even if that's true even if Nashville is the worst possible matchup they've got to be able to adapt to playing styles, and when they won Stanley Cups, they were able to do that. Yeah, the Anaheim Ducks beat the crap out of them in 2015 physically, but they found a way to power through it and win the series anyway, right? They had a ton of depth up the middle. They had young players contributing. They had all the things you needed to win a Stanley Cup that year. This year, there was no semblance of that anywhere. From the moment the puck dropped in Game 1 till the end of Game 4, it felt like it was all Nashville, man, And, and I and I know. Sure, maybe they're not the ideal draw, but... I struggle to believe that they would have done much better against other teams playing the way they did.
0: I mean, it's not like Nashville went out in the second round and laid an egg, proving that they were some fluke team that you know shouldn't have dominated the Blackhawks. I think they look really good against the St. Louis Blues, and I think they're a very. um, It's very reasonable that they've made it to this point. It's very understandable that they've made it to the conference final against Anaheim. I feel like Nashville, as you said, you picked them before the season started. You picked Nashville to win the Stanley Cup.
1: I did. Thanks for remembering.
0: It to me, like yeah, like Artemi Panarin didn't look great in this postseason. wasn't fantastic last year either. He wasn't god awful. He just was what you pretty much expect a rookie to be in the playoffs, honestly. But this season, he just was, like you said, was a non-factor. But you can say that about virtually any Black Hawk on the ice. It felt like they were all non-factors. It felt like just the shell of a team in that series, and I think that's what's obviously precipitated a lot of the hand wringing and a lot of the anger following that postseason loss I'm still not willing to say that Artemi Panarin can't and obviously you're not saying this so I'm not I'm not inferring that you're saying this I I still think he can blossom into something that he can play in the playoffs I just think a four-game sample size I'm not gonna you know wave the white flag on that possibility and to kind of bolster your argument, I think a lot of teams are probably going to feel the same way if the Blackhawks decide, hey, maybe we're going to trade this guy. All
1: right, well, now that Richard Panic is locked up for two years, you know you can head to Triple Threat Sports for your brand new sparkling Richard Panic jersey. They're the best place to go in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered. But did you know they're also the best place to go if your team needs outfitting, whether you're an elite travel high school or college program, that needs to outfit hundreds of kids, or if you're a beer and pizza league with 12 players, Triple Threat Sports can put you in pro-quality jerseys at pricing you can afford. Triple Threat Sports can work with you on every aspect of the job as well. Logo design, fitting, apparel for off-ice, you name it. And you don't have to be a hockey player to wear uniforms from Triple Threat. They can get uniforms and apparel for all sports, baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, and more. So for more info, call Chris at 708 four seven eight six zero nine zero or email him for more info at chris at triple threat triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it and of course we want to thank triple threat sports for their help with our patreon site if you'd like to support the podcast financially uh every penny we get goes to improving the podcast we've got, already bought a laptop mixing board several microphones some headphones everything we need next step is for us to get a speaker so we can do on location live podcasts that's the next expense we have so if you'd like to help us with that patreon.com slash madhouse pod and you don't get nothing for helping us there's a lot of gift options there from t-shirts to koozies to signed uh little photographs to whatever whatever you want to donate we've got something for you to say thank you and triple threat sports are the ones that help us with that so we thank them and thank you for your already incredible support and for your support in the future
0: Obviously, yeah, we are incredibly grateful and incredibly blown away that you know you guys have continued to support us both with your listenership, your subscriptions, and your financial you know help for us. I mean, all the stuff that we've gotten is just beautiful, and it's made this podcast I think bigger and better than you and I had probably ever imagined it would be. So again, and I'll reflect what Jay said, and just thank you guys so much for all the uh, help and support that you've given us for. Yeah, almost two years that we've been doing this thing.
1: I think it's over two years, buddy.
0: No, it's. I, I thought we like started oh, it yeah, right. right before the 2015-16 season. Yeah. so I think it's like September is going to be our anniversary.
1: Oh, that's cute. Mm. Um, one more little Hawks thing I want to talk about, um, and I, you know we've been through this a million times, but uh, I was fascinated when I saw the story what a retweet without comment would accomplish, and um, it was the photo of Patrick Kane who had given up his seat on an airplane for a soldier um obviously a commendable move um but i just retweeted the story without comment and as expected (laughs) world war three broke out on my twitter timeline between people arguing um you know if he's a piece of crap if it was all fake whatever um but people still patrick kane is still a very polarizing character not that it should be a surprise that he is um based on everything but um Man, I was just kind of curious to see what would happen when that story went out. And, um, you know, people rushing to show it is, um, you know, look how great he is. People saying, imagine, you know, being a piece of crap your whole life and then doing one nice thing and being forgiven. Um, It just I thought it was interesting, kind of an interesting social experiment. Um, Obviously, the situation is a lot more complicated than we can discuss on a podcast. We've tried it before. There's a lot of gray area on every aspect of it. Um, but I just thought it was interesting to see like were people who were mad at him before sort of gonna back off and and use this to say oh yeah, maybe I'll change my mind a little bit. I didn't see that.
0: No, neither did I. <laughs> and it's not shocking either. I mean, I no, think the no. I think the appropriate reaction to it, honestly, was you know I I know that everyone always feels like their reaction is probably the most appropriate or whatever, but my reaction to it was look like he. Yeah. You know, isn't exactly a great guy. I think we can at least like agree on that whether whatever you believe about the allegations against him. I just thought it was a nice gesture. I thought it was cool that like the flight attendant took the time to post it. And you know what? I feel like more of us would be, you know, well served if we, you know, thought of, you know, military soldiers and veterans that way, you know. And I know that quite a few people have said, "Oh, well, I know people who give up their Seats for soldiers and da-da-da. You know what? Good. That That's the way that, you know what? We should act, you know, the, towards those men and women in uniform. So I think if I'm going to take away anything from the situation, it's not that Patrick Kane is a class act and a great guy and all is forgiven. It's not going to be, oh, he's a piece of crap and I'm never going to celebrate anything that he does. All that I'm going to take away from it was that it was a nice act and I feel like the world would be a lot better place if everyone kind of took a moment sometimes to think about how they could do something nice for somebody else. That's it. I mean, it doesn't have to be a grand, like, kind of referendum on Patrick Kane as a human being, honestly. So I'm, I'm right. good with just kind of that middle ground of it was a nice act, and let's just all try to, you know, do nice things for each other once in a while.
1: That's all. That's a hell of a concept, buddy. <clears throat> I like it. I'm with you on that one. Absolutely sure. All right. So now we should move into our conference final previews um, and our thoughts on that. Um, Before I do that, I want to sort of uh, admonish myself for a thought I had on the podcast before. Oh, God. When I said that I don't think Eric Carlson can carry his team through the playoffs. I was wrong. (laughs) I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. And I was wrong here. And I admit it. My apologies.
0: Now, were we wrong in saying that the Ottawa, New York series was going to be a boring one.
1: Mm, I don't know if it was boring. It wasn't memorable, but it was, I thought it was a pretty standard playoff series. Is that kind of a cop-out? See,
0: I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that scenario, that uh, statement that you made. And I would also say that I think we kind of got spoiled with how fun and chaotic the Edmonton Anaheim series was we got spoiled by the Capitals coming back to force a game seven and then ultimately doing what the Capitals do and then obviously the Nashville Predators you know having P.K. Subban so I I feel like the Ottawa (laughs) New York series kind of had a lot to really try to kind of overcome when faced with those other three series and I don't think it was boring I didn't think it was awful it just wasn't like you said it wasn't Particularly memorable, I guess. Yeah,
1: and boy, that Cap- the Capitals—they really did crap it all over themselves. And they, man, that Ugh.
0: that third period—you got nothing. What
1: they have three shots on goal in the third period? They're down two, yeah. facing elimination at home, and all they can muster is three, three shots. shots.
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. I could not believe what I was watching as oh, that went my on.
1: God, and like if you're the Capitals, right? What do you tell yourself? You can't really have much better of a roster than they have. I mean, you've got a No! I-
0: like, what's the deficiency there?
1: Exactly. And, like, we talk about the Hawks, like, on paper having a really, really solid roster, right? But it's sort of same-ish. The Capitals have physicality, size, speed. They've got everything they need. They've got arguably the best goalie in the league right now in Brayden Holpe. What do they have to do yep. to win? I I, like, I don't know what to tell them. Not,
0: not play the Pittsburgh Penguins, Maybe. clearly.
1: and And... I don't know. Yeah. Like Trotz isn't a bad coach. No. Like I just don't know. I really don't know what more they can do. I think it was it...
0: Gingerberger asked us if we thought that uh, Barry Trotz would get fired if the Caps lost Game Seven. I don't think he's getting fired.
1: Well, who's? I mean, but who's a be- like? Maybe, but who's a better candidate to replace him? You got to ask yourself that too. That's sort of the just same
0: trade for Joel Quenville. Well,
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of the conversation we had about Q a couple weeks ago when we said like maybe his shelf life is up. Yeah, but who's? You know, what's the alternative? So, I don't know. Ken Hitchcock. I'm sticking with Barry Trotz if I'm the Caps. And just, I think you need to do your best to sort of separate. Like, look, we've fallen short several times, but it doesn't mean we're going to do it again this time. Right? Right. you got to just keep trying, keep doing what you're doing. And I think they've got a nice mix there, obviously. They rolled through the regular season. Uh, I think doing something like trading Ovechkin would be a huge mistake. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I actually, I never root for the Capitals. Cause I kind of get tired of the whole, like, look how great these guys are. Yeah. They've never won anything. Right. Um, but I'm starting to feel bad, like bad for their fans, especially it's, it's brutal. Yeah.
0: It's awful, man. I, I can't even begin to describe, like, I know the headlines kind of got hyperbolic and annoying of, Oh, caps fans don't deserve this. And do- you know what? That's, That's you can't say that in sports. I'm sorry. That's just not. It's not a matter of deserving it or not deserving it. You can feel bad for a fan base, and I do feel bad for Capitals fans you know, who have seen this amazing on-ice product year after year that has not yielded anything, but to say they don't deserve it's a bridge too far for me. So I'm going to dial that back a little bit, and I will agree with you that I do feel bad for Caps fans, and I know a lot of really you know, good ones that are sick of, as you said, them vomiting all over themselves in a Game 7 situation like they did.
1: You know what will not make you vomit all over yourself?
0: Oh, God, this is a tremendous segue. I'm sure our sponsors <laughs> love this.
1: I said it won't.
0: <laughs>
1: Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, our newest sponsor, and one of my favorite places on earth, sincerely. Uh, Chuck's has been a place I've gone for many memorable days and nights. We had our baby shower there, several other things there. Check them out in Burbank or in Darien at chuckscafe.com. They've got the best barbecue, Mexican, and Cajun fare uh around probably better than anything in the city as well. Just absolutely fantastic stuff. I love the Cochinita Pabil. That's the Saturday special. The barbecue nachos are simple and fantastic. They've got some of the best jambalaya I've ever had. They've got incredible daily specials. Obviously on Sunday they're gonna have their Mother's Day brunch. So check out Chuckscafe.com for all the details on that. They've got great bars at both locations with a huge commitment to craft beer. And the menu is always changing. They're always bringing in new breweries. So check out their Twitter account, too, at Chuck's Cafe. They constantly update those uh, beer lists as well. They offer catering, banquets. The Darien location can uh, can suit your wedding party. Uh, after the wedding, you can have your, what do you call it, reception? That's what it's called. You have your <laughs> wedding reception there. <laughs> They've been on Chicago's Best and Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. If you watch that, you might see me in there. I was there. Uh, so visit Chuckscafe.com or follow them on Twitter. At Chuck's Cafe, you will love it. I promise, I promise, I promise. They are fantastic, and we could not be more proud to have Chuck's tied into our podcast lives right now. So, all right. What are you thinking? I'm thinking there's no way the Penguins don't win the Stanley Cup. Your thoughts?
0: I thought there was no way they were going to (laughs) be able to get through the gauntlet of Columbus and Washington. So, I don't know what the heck to believe about the Penguins, honestly. Like, I feel like every time we underestimate that group... Sidney Crosby and his woozy-ass self just Oof. somehow drags them through another round. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and mm-hmm. point this out. There is such a thing as being tough but stupid. I'm starting to lean Correct. that way with Sidney Crosby. That dude should not have been on the ice after the hellacious collision he had with that, the boards um, in that game in that series. That just was God. Why the hell was he not pulled from the, from the ice? Why were concussion spotters like, oh, we can't do anything. The the, the, the NHL had some bogus excuse about how, like, if you run into the boards, that isn't enough to trigger the concussion spotter. Well, what good is it then? Why does it have to be a body-on-body collision? That's like saying if your car hits a telephone pole, you can't make an insurance claim. That's insane.
1: I like that. That's a good analogy. All right, we have several conversations unfolding here at once, so let me try to address them one at a time. Uh, yes, Sidney Crosby's dumb for playing. However, anyone that has played any level of sports uh, would do the same thing, I would think. because it's- Well, that's the
0: point. That's the point. You can't trust the athletes yes. to pull themselves from the game. Correct. And that's fine. I get that. That's how sports goes. I am going to be extremely critical of the NHL and their concussion protocol because, frankly, it apparently is non-existent.
1: Okay, here's the problem there. A lot of the league is run by former players yeah. who don't, they subscribe to the same thought process that Sidney Crosby subscribes to, that it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm going to play, it's too important, I don't care about my health down the road, we'll we'll deal with that when we deal with it, for now I'm going to play hockey. Also dumb, but understandable, until the league puts people in charge that are not all former players, I know Gary Bettman wasn't, but you know what I'm saying. There, a lot of the decision makers Wait, are. Wait, Gary guys, Bettman
0: didn't play hockey.
1: I can't believe it. No, but like a lot of the big decision makers were like, "Oh, you used to be good at hockey, so now come run the league." Like, I uh. hate that. I, I, never get that. Um, and that's just how it's going to continue to be. Gary Bettman is a concussion denier. Yes. So he is. to expect any major change until he's out is is foolish. Um, I, it's a bad situation. We could do an entire podcast on this. Um, and I'm sure we will this summer when we're filling for content. But uh, please,
0: God, let there be <laughs> content.
1: But for now, I think that uh, I think we're agreeing, and there's bigger things that need to be unpacked, but probably not for today.
0: I, I would agree with that. I think we'll stick with uh, kind of breaking things down here. Um,
1: All right. Well, it, here with that in mind, what I want you to do is make an argument to me for the Ottawa Senators.
0: Their defensive strategy is really frustrating for teams to deal with. Yes. And I also don't think that Pittsburgh's goaltending can continue to play at the level that it is played at. It's just, it's not sustainable, I don't think. But again, like I said, they have been feasting on people underestimating them throughout the postseason so far. And nothing would shock me at this point. It's just you would think logic would dictate at some point that Ottawa's trapping style would frustrate them or that their goaltending would regress to a more normal level than it has been in the first two rounds.
1: Well, those are, see, that's sort of the argument you can make, right? And those are sort of two things that, yeah, maybe Marc Andre Fleury will not be as good as he was. Um, what I saw from the Senators against the Rangers last round was the most, what all, what all the hockey players talk about doing. Like what all the Blackhawks were saying after Game 2 and Game 3 about we need to simplify the game. we got to get the puck deep and forecheck. We've got to move the puck quickly, blah, blah, blah. we got to get shots on goal, blah, 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 blah. That is exactly what the Ottawa Senators did to the New York Rangers. They played fundamental hockey, and when you do that, you can beat anyone. Now, look, I'm not picking the Ottawa Senators to win this series by any means. I'm not. I think Peng- Penguins are going to win five, six games. But Ottawa has played such a stable solid textbook hockey game uh, throughout these playoffs so far that if that continues and if Craig Anderson can, you know, stand on his head like he's going to need to against a team as talented as the Penguins, they've got a fighting chance. Again, I'm not picking them, but they have executed so well throughout these playoffs and especially in game 6 against the Rangers. Man, that was that you put that tape on and say this is how you win playoff yeah. hockey. That game. It was a uh, it was a thing of beauty, quite frankly. And uh, I think, again, I think the Penguins are going to win and win pretty handily. But if they can continue that style against a team that talented, uh, I would not absolutely count out those Senators by any means if I didn't just contradict myself three times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who 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 would have thought that a James Bond villain would be able to instill discipline and fundamental <laughs> strength into a team? I never would have guessed.
1: Shocking. Shocking, yeah. I know. Um, and then we got the Western Conference. You got more on that one? I just think it's... It's talent versus will, kind of.
0: Oh, this is going to be a – I think it's going to be a fun series. I really do.
1: Penguin Sends, you mean?
0: No, I think that Predators – I think Predators-Ducks is going to be a fun series. Sorry, I may have jumped the gun a little bit on that, but you made the transition to the Western Conference, and you got me excited, man. I cannot (laughs) wait for that to get started. Well,
1: I felt like we abandoned the Eastern Conference Final a little bit quickly, but – I think well, we were... you,
0: you put it very succinctly and very simply, the Penguins have an incredibly skilled team, they've gotten some incredibly good goaltending, their coaching is fantastic, yep. really good. And then you've got Ottawa, who has got Chicago boy Craig Anderson.
1: Chicago native, hashtag.
0: <laughs> one of the most exciting <laughs> hockey players on the planet and Eric Carlson, and a system that has been just grinding teams down through the first two rounds of the playoffs. I think it's a fascinating matchup, but I'm still super geeked and crazy excited for the West series.
1: I would have been more excited for the West series if it was Edmonton. Quite frankly, I think that would have been just a fantastic series, um, but I can cheer for the Predators. I hate the Ducks. I don't know what it is about the Ducks. Maybe it's Kessler. Maybe it's Perry. Maybe it's Getzlaff. Maybe it's all three. Maybe it's their ugly ass uniforms. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I hate the Ducks, and I bring, want Nashville bring to win. back the
0: eggplant. I will root, I'll be happier.
1: Anti Team Oh
0: uh, Well, yeah, duh. I, I, by the way, did really enjoy the uh, Paul Correa painting over the nine that they did, that uh, social video the Ducks did celebrating their win over the Oilers. I thought that was a cool touch. And I Paul Correa was one of the first guys that, like, really – kind of stood out to me and like was must watch player when he broke into the nhl so i kind of appreciated that throwback
1: paul korea is one of the best players in the history of sports video games if you recall midway's two-on-two open ice challenge uh with the pat foley on the call it was like the nba jam of hockey yep him and timu solani stop it and guy bear manning the pipes
0: you're never gonna you're never gonna beat that team. That's like Bo Jackson, Tech Mobile level of awesomeness. Well,
1: you could because that game also featured the Pavel Bure Alexander McGillney pairing with, um, oh my God, Kirk McLean in goal.
0: <laughs> beat that, pal. You know what? You know what game uh, Pavel Bure was insane in was all of Brett them? Hull '95. They only used Brett. They only had Brett Hall's name licensed, so they had all the teams, but they didn't mm-hmm. have any of the players except Brett Hall but Pavel Bure was insane in that game. I used to play as Vancouver just so I could use him and run rough shot over St. Louis. Well, he
1: was, I mean, it was so so great. It's like a 99 speed, you know, just like, yeah, good luck with that. Um, anyway, I digress. I forgot what even brought that up, but, uh,
0: you yeah. were talking about how ugly Anaheim's uniforms oh, yes. were, then I brought up Paul Korea, and then that got us into the loop of video games. You know what, though? I feel like people like when we talk about video games, because that's one of the things that brings hockey fans together, is the mag- like the greatness of all these games, like Blades of Steel, NHL 94. I mean, all these games kind of brought us together, honestly, because hockey video games had... Such a good run of quality content, honestly.
1: I have admitted it. NHL '94 is what made me a hockey fan. That that is what got me playing that game and learning all the players. That's what turned me into a hockey fan. Because guess what? I didn't have home games to watch on TV to really get into the Hawks. And then I just was like, you know what? Hockey's awesome, and I'm going to do everything I can to commit to it and learn much, as much about it as I can. And I did because of that game. You could laugh at it if you want, but it's the damn truth. Yep. Um, I love playing that. I love learning about the league that way. And that's what grew my hockey fandom. Like, that, probably if I had to go back to the moment when it was born, that was it. That was definitely it.
0: The big silver radio listening to Blackhawks games on the radio at my grandma's apartment and watching ESPN nationally televised games on my 13-inch TV in my bedroom was my kind of indoctrination into how awesome hockey was. So I I think it's kind of cool that, like, we came to the sport in such, like, I I would argue that they are unique ways. I mean that's and you kinda had to do that back in the day as a Blackhawks fan because you really didn't just have oh just pop on the T V and watch the you know Hawks play. That really wasn't an option at that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that um everyone's got sort of an interesting story about it. So if you have an interesting story about how you became a hockey fan, send us an email, madhousepod at gmail dot com, and we will get to it as the off season rolls along um all right so i am openly rooting for the national predators and it's hard because i'm so fed up with their organization's petulant like minor league crap they do about the blackhawks but i like the team yeah. there's not really anyone on that team that's uh, you can say what you want about james neal but the dude's a power forward he's gonna play that way um mike roberto's been banished to hell um Thank god pk suban's there i like pecorine I like Forsberg, obviously. Uh, yeah, they're a, a team that's tough not to like. And now that they have a coach that's letting them play, letting them loosen some things up and laviolette, um, I'm openly rooting for Nashville. And it, the the good news if Nashville wins the Stanley Cup, it's just going to intensify that rivalry with the Hawks, and that is a good thing.
0: That they need that. I feel like it, it's cool having St. Louis as a rival, but it would be so awesome to have Nashville is a team that you can point at and have that rivalry go both ways, where i think as as of right now, I definitely feel like a lot more of the hatred comes from the Nashville side than the Chicago side. I would very much like it if that became like kind of a point of contention and kind of a sparring battle you know in the future and I think if the per, the predators win the cup, definitely could see that intensifying
1: absolutely, and I think we've probably with the sweep, we're starting to see it already. Some I'm interested to see how Hawks fans on Twitter are going to look as the Predators compete for the Western Conference title, um, how they'll be rooting, um, those sort of things. I think it's gonna be fascinating. But um, I just I just don't like the Ducks, man. But I, I know that not liking them is not a reason to pick against them. They're deep as hell. They're tough as hell. Um, I I just think Nashville is a better team. I've been incredibly impressed mm-hmm. with everything they've done throughout these playoffs. Like I just said, they've allowed the offense to have some creativity to dictate some play. Their young players have stepped up and been terrific. Um, I'm, I, I think they're going to win a series. I like Nashville in six um, to beat the Ducks and to advance to the cup final. How about you?
0: I'm actually going to pick Anaheim in seven because I honestly feel like this is kind of a coin flip series right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I love
0: all the things that you mentioned about Nashville. I think the reason I'm picking the Ducks just right now and this is a completely superficial and possibly silly reason. So I will gladly take any criticism that anyone wants to levy at me for this reason.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: way they responded after laying just a giant egg in game six. Yeah. They could have easily gone into, oh crap, it's happening again. We're going to lose another game seven at home. We're going to lose another playoff series in embarrassing fashion. And they came out in game seven on a mission, and they just looked like a mentally strong team. And when you combine that with the depth that they have, and with the talent that they have, even though I still think Randy Carlyle is a pud, and I think he's a just a bumbling a dope. He's a son. breast. He. Boy,
1: I like he, to call people breasts instead of boobs.
0: I call. I call, <laughs> I I call, I call him. I, I usually default to dope. So I'll okay. go. I'll go ahead and do that here. That he's a dope, but. I just, I'm picking Anaheim because I think that something maybe finally clicked in that game seven where they realized that the sky isn't falling every time you're facing a 3 3 series with a game seven on home ice. I, I feel like that's kind of a mental hump almost that you have to overcome on your journey to potentially competing for a championship in any sport you have to be able to look that moment in the eye where you may have wet the bed on numerous occasions before but once you finally realize that you can do something that confidence and that mental fortitude i think can be enough to carry you forward and in a coin flip series that's why i'm giving just the littlest the smallest of edges to anaheim although i will say also i would not be shocked at all if nashville won I think it's a very good, very evenly matched series. I'm going Anaheim in seven.
1: All right, let's get our official picks for the Eastern Conference Final, by the way. I sort of said five or six. I'll officially go on record Penguins in five.
0: Uh, that's exactly what I'm going with, too. Penguins okay. in five. So I, I think they wrap it up on home. They, they have home ice. I have to imagine they have home ice, right?
1: No, uh, Ottawa has home ice, wow. I believe.
0: That's crazy. No, you're right.
1: I'm sorry. I, say, I, thought, it, I thought it went yes. strictly
0: by record. So, yeah, I'm going Pittsburgh in five.
1: Okay. That's a fair pick. And for the record, Anaheim has home ice against Nashville. Yes, they uh, do. Before we move on to emails, with the conference final in mind, I want to just do like kind of a little mini rant. And this is not just about hockey. It's about sports in general, but especially hockey, when every little detail is nitpicked. There's going to be whoever wins the west the nhl is already cringing right they're not happy that it's going to be anaheim or it's going to be nashville and they'll especially be unhappy if it's ottawa versus one of those two teams but listen Mm -hmm. i'm tired of the argument that oh well these non-traditional markets mean they won't be entertaining or won't be good these are they've played them they play seven games they find a way to prove it the four best teams in hockey okay And just because Nashville is not from New York and just because Ottawa is not from uh, Boston doesn't mean the series is going to be any worse than it would have been if one of those major market teams competed. So don't blow off the series, sports fans, simply because, oh, well, these markets are lame. It doesn't matter. These players have played their balls off to get to this point. And they're going to show you some great – both these series are going to be really good, really interesting. And just because the market is small, it doesn't mean that the series is going to suck. It just drives me crazy. The people say, like, oh, the Bulls and Jazz series is going to be lame because Utah. Right? No. (laughs) No one talks that way. Oh, it's the Portland Trailblazers. Portland's not really a basketball market, so uh, it's going to suck. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Yeah. I hate that. I really hate that argument. There's really good teams and non-traditional markets. We're seeing it. I mean, I've, Ottawa is obviously a hockey market, but it's not a major market. I just... I hate that. It's one of the weakest, most tired arguments in the world where non-hockey people are like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a good matchup for the ratings. I, I don't care about the ratings. I want them to be good. I want people to watch. But because the ratings are going to be bad, is isn't going to deter me from watching a series. That's ridiculous. Right. If the what? Super Bowl was... Uh, Tennessee versus Tennessee. Arizona is
0: one of the best se- Super Bowls of our entire life. That's not. Those are not big markets, but it's the fact that it's the Super Bowl, and you had to earn your way to get there, and all the narratives that come along with it. You know what? Fo- let's focus on that. I'll try to be. I'll, I'm going to try to be positive about this. Try to focus on the good of these series, which is that. These teams have earned their way here playing, frankly, unique styles. Like, each team kind of has an identity. And I think that's cool. I think it gives you something to talk about. It gives you something to watch. As a hockey fan, I implore you, don't listen to this media narrative that the size of the market is somehow going to dictate the quality of the matchup. It's not. Watch the series. Enjoy the hockey, guys, because I hate to break this to you. But after these series are over and after the Stanley Cup final is over, hockey is gone until October. And we only have the Chicago Bears to look forward to aside from baseball. That's not good. Go ahead and enjoy the hockey while we have it because soon you're going to be hearing about the Bears hitting each other while they're wearing helmets and shorts. And you're going to wish there was still hockey on your television.
1: Yeah, jerks. That, right. I, I
0: feel like that might be one of the best takes I've ever delivered, by that the way.
1: <laughs> that was spicy Cholula hot. That's what that was.
0: Uh, yeah, and, you know, I loved, we got a tweet the other day from a listener who was like, is this the hot sauce that you guys like? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I love that that's like these things that like somehow stick out to our listeners. I love that when people randomly have Cholula, they think of us like, we it may not be the like best impact ever, and it may not be the most meaningful impact ever, but we're impacting the lives of our listeners.
1: That's right. And the other thing we've gotten a lot of feedback about lately is the Taco Girl.
0: Oh yeah, do you have a Taco Girl update?
1: I have no update. I've not been there in a while. Oh, Sorry, I'll get there soon. I promise. Just for the I, just for content.
0: I do have a uh, <laughs> I do have an update on my um. Hatred of people standing on the Michigan Avenue bridge to take photos, by the way. Did you
1: throw some people off?
0: No. No, I did not. I have been trying to follow your advice and to be patient and Mm -hmm. respectful, and occasionally the irritation will kind of bubble back up a little bit, but I have been way, way calmer about it the last few days, or the last few weeks, I should say. However... Uh-oh. train talkers are starting to get on my nerves and i'm starting to have revenge fantasies and i might need to um talk through that at some point so if it gets to a point where it's like really kind of you know downgrading my mental health to have to deal with this we mm-hmm. might have another confession corner or sin bin sorry sin bin uh entry but as for the bridge thing I'm do I'm doing better. So thank you, Jay, and thank you, listeners, for your advice and your counsel to just simply be more patient, and that I would get used to the annoyance of that. I really have.
1: All right, I'm happy for you. Are you ready to do e- emails now?
0: What did I bother you that I went so far off the beaten path with her? Yeah, you, you want me to expose my personality to these people, Jay, and I did it.
1: Oh, I'm I love it. I love a fired up James Naveau. It's my favorite thing in the world.
0: I thought your favorite thing in the world was old-fashioned, James Naveau. By the way, I celebrated National Correspondence Day the other day by writing a couple of letters. So I I know that you hate random holidays, but I figured I'd uh, throw that one out there.
1: Okay, yeah, we're going to move on now. (laughs) Are you ready for emails, yes or no? You
0: you know what? Now I am ready for emails. Now that I got in that gratuitous dig, I am excited for emails. By the way, am am I picking the winner this week or are You. You. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, have a quick on-air production meeting. Go on ahead and read the uh, intro to the email, sir. All
1: right, let's go.
0: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The
1: email segment this week is brought to you by our old pals at Mariska's Restaurant, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, just west of Route 53. Give them a call, 815 723 nine three seven one family owned and operated at the same place since 1933 it can't be bad when it's been that long i don't know why i'm mad
0: it's older than my grandpa
1: all right cool story <laughs> um no i'm sorry I'm, I'm really busting your balls today uh i'm interested in the story please go on but your was your grandfather born
0: no he, he was born in 1935 i just thought it was cool that you like mentioned if something's that old it can't possibly be bad you're absolutely right my grandpa is almost that old, and he is really awesome. He and I were texting each other last night about a game that he was streaming on the internet. My grandpa is like the most tech-savvy 81-year-old man on the planet. It's awesome. That's
1: awesome. I am I want to meet him now. Sincerely, let's have him on the podcast.
0: You know what? I think. I think we will at some point. I'm just <laughs> warning you, though. He will want to talk about the Coyotes.
1: Okay, no deal. All right, third and fourth <laughs> generations of the Zadralovich family. I'm going to get I can't just do it when I read it. I know how to say it, but I can't. When it comes up in the copy, I'm like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Zdralovich. There it is. There it Hand-cut is. Hand-cut products in their own butcher shop, including their own steaks, burgers, and the famous poor boy sandwich. Go there, order it, rub it on yourself, devour it. It's amazing. You will be fully satisfied with the poor boy. If that's not your style... I don't know why it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. They've got great steaks, seafood chops, the awesome onion rings, the double baked potatoes. James's favorite, the Icelandic cod, which is mm-hmm. always hand cut on premises. They've got a carry out menu, a full bar with craft brews, banquet facilities for groups up to 110 people. So visit Marishkas.com and check them out on Facebook at Facebook.com/Marishkas. Open seven days a week and close only on Christmas, Easter, the Fourth of July, and Thanksgiving. Go to Marishkas. Be
0: satisfied
1: food-wise.
0: Jay, can we do one more really quick thing right before you read an email? I just want to wish good luck to someone. Yes. Go- good luck to the Chicago Steel. They start the Clark Cup Final tomorrow. Their first ever appearance in the Clark Cup Final. They won the Eastern Conference for the first time in team history. I will have a preview up on NBC Chicago tomorrow. Got to talk to their leading scorer, Jack Bedini, and their head coach, Dan Muse. So... Good luck to the Steel. They're playing Sioux City starting tomorrow night.
1: My favorite Steel player, Johnny Walker. It's my guy.
0: Mm-hmm. I believe he's going to Arizona State, isn't he? I don't know. I believe he is. So, yeah, that's – you know what? Kudos to him and kudos to the Steel for a fantastic season. I know you and I both went to games this year and had a lot of fun out there. If you do want to go to the game, by the way – You can get a free ticket if your child plays youth hockey. They would get a free ticket into the game. So go out there, support the Steel, enjoy some good hockey, for God's sake.
1: Sounds good to me. All right, email time. Now, remember, James, like we just discussed, for those of you just joining us for the first time in a while, uh, for the last few weeks we've been giving uh, random hockey cards from my collection to the best emailers. So James is in charge of that. Our first email here is from Kevin Peake. He is not eligible Because he is the fine winner of the Brent Myers Tampa Bay Lightning card from week one. Ah, yes. Um, I got some good ones ready to go. I've been previewing the stack. I got a choice of five or six here I'm going to pick randomly. So you are in charge of remembering who had the best email. But Kevin, not eligible for this week. But he has asked a good question. Uh, Has some thoughts about Richard Panic. We addressed that. He said, with the Oilers out, I have to be honest, these last four teams don't interest me. Pittsburgh, well, good. Seen it, done it. Ottawa has Carlson and Nashville, Subban but the team styles of play are, to me at least, like watching paint dry. And the Ducks might be the most unlikable team ever. I need a reason to watch, but I don't have one. Help me. Love, Kevin. He didn't say love. I
0: added that. Well, he does love us, and we love Kevin, so there you go. Yeah, of course. Um, my argument, my my thought is that the fact that the t- both series are these battles of contrasting style, likability, whatever you want to call it, I think that you can point to any of those narratives and you can be satisfied. Or if it comes down to it, just look at it as you're watching guys like Eric Carlson and PK Subban, which he alluded to. You're also watching, you know, guy, younger stars that are starting to come up into their own, especially on Nashville. They've got some incredible young talent on that team. I really think that you're watching some of the future of hockey here. And, You can pick any narrative you want to, and I honestly truly believe you're going to be treated to good hockey in this round. So I implore you, if you are a hockey fan, to watch these series, because I think you're going to be very happy with your decision to do so.
1: I'm going to say, Kevin, uh, if you need a team to root for, root for Nashville, because of what I said earlier, it will just intensify the rivalry with the Hawks, and rivalry is always a good thing. So uh, if you have to root for somebody, pick them, because they're not evil like Anaheim. If the, if the Penguins win, then the Hawks are knocked off that pedestal as the three Stanley Cup team. So you don't want them to win. Yep. So I would say pick between Nashville and Ottawa and have fun with it. All right. Next email here from Hugo Maya. He says, hello, fellas. Love the podcast. With the panic exp- extension today, doesn't it smell like a major trade is going to happen this offseason? It's going to be very difficult for Bowman to record that cap space. Absolutely. We addressed it earlier. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's coming uh, and I think James does as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's just a matter of speculating as to what that major move is going to be, and honestly, it gives us something fun and exciting to kind of talk about as we're moving closer to the NHL draft and free agency. So, yeah, I, I think that a move is coming, and I think it at least gives us something to pay attention to because this team obviously is not going to be able to just stand pat this off season.
1: All right, email here from uh, Evansville hockey fan. He says, who would be your possible targets if the Hawks were to seek out signing a UFA defense? I like Carl Alsner as a potential top-line guy. He played along John Carlson and had blocked a ton of shots. Hopefully he heals up well over the offseason and Chicago can show him what real championship banners look like. And sure joke about Winnery Classic Champions banner here. Dmitry Kulikov and Brendan Smith are both two guys under 30 that can help. Also, what happened to Addie's Fashion Corner? take care gentlemen eddie's fashion corner went on a Ooh. brief hiatus because yeah, of the yeah that's a good question yeah but they will return in short order i promise you that
0: um good because i think that was one of our uh most loved segments and i'm sure a lot of people were curious what happened to it so yeah i definitely am looking forward to the return of that
1: i'm looking through the list of unrestricted free agents here on d um uh, and i mean here's the problem we've got a sort of Go with a theory that they're not going to be able to add anyone expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to stop. Let's see. Let's just, for sake of argument, let's just say, what do you want to set the number at? Three million? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're looking at guys like Trevor Daly, uh, Andrew Ference, 38 years old. Uh no. Zabennick McCulloch, 34. No. Chris Russell, no. No. Uh, Derek England, no. No. Ron Hainsey, 36 years old no pass carl alsner who he brought up not a bad one 28 years old made 2.8 million dollars last year
0: i feel like he's gonna get a pay bump based on his age and the fact that he was playing top uh pairing minutes for the capitals
1: uh brennan smith very similar player 2.75 million cap hit um, so he'll be signing for more than that at age 28.
0: Not not as much of a raise as Alsner, I don't think, but still probably going to get up there in the $4, 4500000 range, I would think, so, so might be out of the Blackhawks price range unless they make a move. I mean,
1: these are just a level of names, though, that you that you can expect unless a move is made. I, I do think there's a chance Brian Campbell could be back if he wants to do it for another million bucks. I don't know how much that helps you anymore. I was not totally impressed with what he did this year. For the money, probably worth having him around.
0: There you go. Yeah, exactly. I think you have to kind of temper your expectations with how much he's getting paid. But so you're on the right track with that. I just don't
1: know how much better they are um, that way. So it's not like a free agent is probably not the way they're going to you know, fix the D. It's probably pretty unrealistic. There's going to have to be a trade here. It's almost certain. Uh, and I am fascinated to see what it's going to be. I really... By the
0: way, can I, can I throw something out there yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. I predict that with one of their first two picks, the Blackhawks are going to pick a goaltender.
1: Well, that leads into our next question uh, here. From, oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. From Liz Holbrook. Liz says, when learning of the Kings trading Ben Bishop's rights over to the Stars earlier this week, my thoughts went immediately to what's going to happen with the goalie tandem of, of Letton and Niemi, which ended up going to the Hawks somehow resigning Niemi as their backup goaltender if they can afford to cap it <sighs> I don't know if I want Niemi
0: isn't Niemi still under contract for next season
1: uh let me check that
0: I'm pretty sure somebody posted a uh, screen grab from cap friendly today and it indicated that Niemi Lettinen and Bishop are now all under contract with the Stars
1: uh, that is correct.
0: I think it was somewhere in the ballpark of $14 million in goaltender's salary for that Yes,
1: Niami has a $4.5 million contract uh, for next season. Uh,
0: yep, and I believe Lettinen is under contract for at least two or three more years, too. I don't so. know what the Stars have yeah.
1: in terms of buyouts left. I don't remember them buying anyone out. I could certainly be well, mistaken. Well,
0: I, I think you can buy out whoever you want. It's just a matter of you only had the one or the only the two compliance oh, right, right, buyouts. Right. I think now you can extend the cap hit out if you want to buy a guy out. Now, if the Stars were to buy out Antti Niemi, maybe that's a guy the Blackhawks take a flyer on while they develop a goaltender. But I still am firmly in the camp that they need to draft one early this year and they need to get some goaltending depth in this organization because they really don't have any.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, Jeff Glass is a the guy they're bringing up as an emergency goalie. That's not good enough. And I'm looking here at the, fr- no, the free agent list here is also not uh, incredibly encouraging. Um,
0: it makes you sad. It makes you want to rock around in the fetal position. Man, the free agent market this year is like TJ Oshie and bad. Like, that's really all it yeah, is. it really is. I Take that back. Kevin Shattenkirk's going to be a free agent. He's decent.
1: But not nearly in the Hawks conversations. There's no way. Oh, hell no. Uh, but free no, agent no, no. goalies, like, I mean, Darcy Kemper, he's 27. He'll probably get a bump from 1.5, right, wherever he signs. I don't
0: think it's going to be a No, big not a problem. big bump, I but really, I think he'll get something. That's not a guy that moves the needle for me.
1: Anders Nilsson, uh, Curtis McElhaney um see these guys are all up there in age I guess it doesn't matter for a backup you can sign someone cheap but
0: it's just it's it's like the Nikolai Hobby Bullen thing it's just a matter of buying time for your goaltender to kind of like gain confidence or whatever so
1: uh boy there's really nothing here that fires me up yeah (laughs) I don't know can we
0: also point out how hilarious it is the Stan Bowman got more for Scott Darling than um the Kings got for Ben Bishop Bo Stink. <laughs> Call
1: him by his proper name, my friend. His name is Bo Stink. He's terrible. <sighs> All right. Liz goes on. Um, remember, last week we talked about the Patrick Kane Gatorade commercial and how weird it felt. Yep. Um, she says, after the last episode, did you really have to bring up the Gatorade commercials? Living, living in Indy, watching those with uh, PG and Kane kind of feels like torture. One last thing. I'm finally done with school for the semester, so I have time on my hands. How many good. Have any good book recommendations to do with either sports, broadcasting, or hockey? Holy Jesus. I have already read How and Orr's Autobiography and then Gretzky's new book, so these three are out. Now that I have some free time, I'd love to spend my summer reading up on things to help me further my career that I love. Okay, I will give you one of each. Um, I'm not sure what your sports broadcasting uh, goal is, but one thing I read that was invaluable to me as a producer is a radio producer's handbook. (laughs) Handberg. You were were looking at Liz Holbrook's name, weren't you?
0: Because you just totally threw in a gratuitous Uh, R.
1: (laughs) I guess I did. Uh, Yeah, that would be the one I recommend, the Radio Producer's Handbook, which is terrific. Um, I could not have lived without it. I use it as a reference all the time. It's by Rick Kempfer and John Swanson. They produce for Eric and Kathy, known as Larry and Mary in the book when he's telling bad stories about them. Um, And then my sports hockey book, I will tell you, take your pick between Theo Fleury's autobiography or Bob Probert's autobiography. Both are fascinating
0: crap, you took you took my hockey book. Sorry. I was literally just looking at the Theo Flurry book, and I had thought about reading it again. I haven't really read a good hockey book recently. I've been way more into, like, baseball books lately, it seems like. I, I'm going to blame Tom Verducci because his book, The Cubs Way, awesome. was fantastic. God, was it good. All sorts of stuff in there, even some revelation stuff about, the Matt Caesar bat thing. Like I thought that was hilarious that I'm not there yet. I haven't finished it yet. He he had a good anecdote about the Matt Caesar bat thing. So definitely check that out when you get to it. You're going to really enjoy that. Um, Outside of that, like I just, I have not been reading as many books as I've needed to lately. I've been going to the Jay Zawoski school of train riding and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. So there you go.
1: All right, email here from our pal, Spike T, longtime listener. He says, uh, You mentioned that you do a trade for Colton Preco. Panarin is, is who you said you would trade, and then he would probably be. Wait a minute.
0: How did he know that? We are just recording this podcast. That is weird. I
1: have a Twitter there, Pally. <laughs> uh, I've been talking about it for a long time. Um, he said, Instead of Panarin, how about Jalmerson straight up? St. Louis probably won't go for it, but maybe we can add to it. How do you feel about it? Um, my hesitation there is you're immediately not, you're, you're defeating the purpose. Exactly. I mean, Pareco is going to be good for a long time but if you trade Nicholas Jamerson you're still in the same spot you were in before yeah you've got a little more cap space but you're not going to be able to find anyone close to Nicholas Jamerson as a free agent with the money you have left so I, I would Nicholas Jamerson's is one of the last guys I'm considering trading and know that a guy who plays the way he plays the regression is going to come quick but look this team's window is realistically two or three more years so if if he can be anything close to the level he's been for that long I think you have to keep him and try to win with him.
0: I, I would agree with you on that 100%. I feel like it would be defeating the purpose. I think you need to trade from your forward depth to get better defensively. I think trading a D-man for a D-man probably is not the way that the Blackhawks should go. By the way, if Liz is looking for a good non-sports book to read, I just got done reading Wild by Sherald Strayed. That was really good. So for some reason, that escaped me during that last uh, answer. But I had to throw it out there in case Liz has not read it yet.
1: Okay, fair enough. Next email here from John Huckalack. I hope I said that right, John. I'm sorry, Josh Huckalack. I got the f- first name wrong. Well,
0: for- I was about to say, how <laughs> on earth did you get the last name right, but not the first name? I know, I suck.
1: Uh, uh, he said, I thought it would be interesting if the Blackhawks replaced Scott Darling with another Illinois native in Garrett Sparks. I know last year he was a really cool sc- story for the Leafs by starting his NHL career strong, but tailed off as he was sent back to the AHL. So I have a question for you. Is Sparks NHL ready? If so, what are the chances Sparks would be traded for? I, I like him better than anything the Hawks had. Um, this year with the Marlies, 31 games, uh, with a 2.16 goals against, 9.22... I'm sorry, 0.922 save percentage, pretty good numbers. Um, his contract, he's actually... I believe he is a free agent he's a restricted free agent so you'd have to trade for his rights um look man i'm up for anything (laughs) at this point i have no reason to think that garrett sparks would do a worse job than anybody else um you know that they could have but uh sure i'll take a flyer on garrett sparks how about you
0: it's just a matter of what the maple Leafs want for his rights i would think i think that that's actually a pretty solid idea not a guy that's really on the radar of probably a lot of folks around here, but I definitely have heard some good things from Leafs fans that appreciated his effort and his uh, quality of play when he was with them. So I think that's a good out-of-the-box suggestion by John Josh. I really like it.
1: All right, Patrick Solden here. Uh, we didn't get to this. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk looks like he wants to come back to the NHL. <laughs> um, what do you think of that? Uh, and what, who who do you think will make the most sense – to trade for his rights, he wants to know. I'm curious as he's going to be in his mid 30s. Um, he's a point per game player in the KHL and NHL. Keep up the good work. Um, I, you know, that's the sort of dude that a, a cup contender is going to want to look to add. But he really ruined his reputation the way he just yes. bailed on the, on the on the Devils. And I don't know if like a team's going to want to invest that money. Um, for a guy like that when he could just bail again i don't know i just
0: do they have to pay his contract or is that contract gone the 17 year contract that he signed is that off the table or did they have to pay that if they trade for his right
1: uh yeah i don't know what that means for him financially let's figure that out for next week and we'll have an answer for you i don't want to tell you the wrong thing
0: and that has been your that has been your edition of stump the madhouse podcast yeah you successfully stumped us your prize the satisfaction of making us look dumb we hope you're really happy with yourself back to you jay all right
1: last email of the show we got this is a long-ass podcast last email of the show with that in mind goes to will eggleston hello will he says james and jay i was recently playing nhl 17 season mode and i started a fantasy draft like i always do I had the number two overall pick and was kind of surprised to see Steven Stamkos drafted first overall. Nothing against him. It's just surprised it wasn't Crosby. Who do you guys often argue is the best player on the planet? Do you guys have any idea why this would be? Uh, yes, because computers are weird and stupid. Uh, I agree with that. NHL, who is playing? Oh, my buddy uh, Kevin Zipak from The Score posted on his Twitter, uh, he's doing seasons in the show, MLB The Show, which is regarded as like probably the finest... Uh, that or nba 2k but one of the finest sports games around and after this year chris bryant retires due to injury so (laughs) computers are weird there's like sam cross is probably really highly rated because he's fast he's got a great shot he can play a little bit physically blah 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 um it doesn't look at like the actual player so i would think that's probably just it's probably some kind of um i don't know what you call it programming deficiency well, I, I think we say. can
0: agree there's only one player that would be the correct pick with the number one overall pick in a fantasy draft in this game.
1: Sergey Krivokrasov.
0: Oh my god, I hate you. Nailed no, it. the only correct answer to this question is Connor McDavid. I will, br- I will hear no debate on this. Well,
1: if you have one if season you, though, if you have one if, season,
0: uh, okay, you know if you're if you're doing a fantasy team and you it's a ongoing thing, yeah. year after year, that's to the you're drafting ob- obvious Connor choice. McDavid. Yes, yeah,
1: no doubt about that. All right. Well, you have a winner. Who's our emailer of the show?
0: It's very. It's a dead heat for me, but I am going to go. Guess what? Well,
1: this week, because I'm in a good mood, we're going to give away two. Well,
0: then I pick Liz Holbrook. Okay. And, and John Josh, because I love John Josh. John Josh. John Josh's. I'm just John uh, Suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> I I liked his suggestion of Garrett Sparks. I thought that was a really good kind of out of the box pick, and I really liked that Liz had picked up on one of the things that I think is kind of being undersold a little bit in Mm -hmm. terms of what the Blackhawks need to do, and that's find a goaltender for the future. So I liked both of those. I declare them the winners. All
1: right. I'm searching through my card pack right now. This one for John Josh. He wins. Ooh. This is a good one. 1992 Mario Lemieux Pro
0: Set. Holy crap, that's awesome. Him
1: hoisting the Stanley Cup.
0: Wow, that's really good.
1: All right, now for Liz. Let me go back in here. Liz, you win. Okay, not as good. (laughs) Not not as good. (laughs) A 1992-93 Trent Yanni card. Congratulations, oh, my
0: God, Liz. Yes. <laughs> Liz is never going to listen to the podcast again. She's going to be like, why the heck did I get the Mario Lemieux card? Hey,
1: it's truly random. It's truly random. Here's the notes on the back of Trent Yoni's card. Trent got a chance to play regularly when the Blackhawks traded him to the Flames for two months into <laughs> 1991-92. He's a stay-at-home defender who always seems to make the right decision on the ice. Trent... <laughs> who scored four (laughs) goals in his first 13 shots with Calgary. Damn. (laughs) Captain the 1988 Canadian Olympic squad. So there you go. Blackhawks legend Trent Yanni is now a member of Liz's hockey family.
0: Oh, my God. She's going to, like, literally meet Trent Yanni and smack him in the head and go, you're not Mario Lemieux.
1: Oh, it's a pinnacle, by the way, if you're looking for the brand. It's a pinnacle hockey card.
0: I thought they only made golf balls.
1: Uh, You're wrong. They make hockey cards. Apparently, I don't Uh think it's the same company.
0: No, probably not.
1: All right. So I've got four ready to go. I ordered the. I just got the other day from Amazon the card like uh you know like the plastic uh, sheaths for them. So I'm gonna start sending them out very very soon. So keep your uh, eyes peeled. And if you're one of the winners, make sure you send us your uh, name, address, phone number, all that good stuff, so I can get these sent out to you. But with that. That's going to do I, it. For, oh, you got something else? I would also
0: else? like to I would like to point out that we next week we are going to provide an update on our contest idea for the NHL draft tickets. Yes, definitely. Yes, that that will occur next week. We promise we'll have an update on that cuz I know the draft's coming up. People are going to want to know if they if their ideas are cool enough to win. Let's make sure that that happens next week.
1: All right. And if you have an idea, send it to madhousepod at gmail.com. This edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mareshka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And our brand new sponsor, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Thank you all so much for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks for your contributions. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.
0: Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox.
1: For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's Steak, Egg, and Cheese Bagel.